Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's time for the playoffs. It's time to decide who's going to Vegas. Will it be Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City, or Buffalo coming out of the AFC? Is it going to be San Francisco, Dallas, Detroit even coming out of the NFC? Pick your two conference champions, parlay it, and remember, get your 50% welcome bonus on that first parlay using our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, when you use the link in the description to this episode at BetOnline Sportsbook. Bet online where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping on into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of this fun little podcasting thing. You can listen however and whenever it is that you may be choosing. And we appreciate that you have decided to stop in however and whenever that you may be choosing. Happy NFL Monday, everybody. Even though it's an NFL Monday that I'm sure a good majority of you are listening to on a Tuesday felt like because of the weird Buffalo Bills game getting canceled because of the giant monsoon storm that was going on in Buffalo. So we had two games on Saturday and two games on Sunday and two games on Monday. Felt like the more appropriate way to do our wild card weekend NFL Monday podcast was to wait until Tuesday to break down the final three games of the docket. If you want an NFL Monday around the... Green Bay Packers versus Dallas Cowboy game. We got that post-game show out now. It's Wired Up episode 155. It's the episode right below this one if you want some Packers versus Cowboys analysis. If you want some Dolphins versus Kansas City Chiefs analysis, recommend that you check out the Wired Up episode 140 of 54 that we did Saturday night. Get down Saturday night. On Saturday night, we did... Wired up around the Dolphins and Kansas City game. If you want analysis of that, it's out now. And if you want some analysis of the Cleveland Browns versus Houston Texans game, sorry, we don't got that for you, but we would recommend that you check out the podcast that we did back in November 2022 detailing the 12-plus podcasts and hundreds of hours of reporting that we did around the Deshaun Watson sexual assault cases. I think that's the best way that we talk about Cleveland Browns football for basically the past two seasons, and we recommend that you check that out as well because there's some really in-depth, detailed reporting that we spent a lot of time and effort on. And so anytime we talk about the Cleveland Browns the last two years, that's the way that we do a Cleveland Brown podcast. Make sure to check that out as well. It's linked in the description to this episode. 
episode. So we've already knocked out three games on Wild Card Weekend. We got three more coming at you on this episode of the show. I made the call that the best way to go through the final three games on the Wild Card Weekend docket is to just go chronologically in order. We're going to eventually get to the Philadelphia Eagles-Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. We're going to have some thoughts on the Steelers and Bills game, although that one ended up becoming the unofficial sixth game that you probably shouldn't watch on wildcard weekend because not only did that game have the largest point spread of any of the six wildcard weekend games it was 10 points in favor of buffalo and buffalo came out and scored two touchdowns within the first 10 minutes of the game so not only did you have a 10 point spread going into that game but you also had the lowest over under total of any of these six wildcard weekend games, which is a pretty incredible thing to have happen. The largest spread and the lowest over-under point total, that's just Vegas telling you that the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense fucking sucks. And honestly, that might be a good majority of our analysis once we get to Pittsburgh Steelers versus Buffalo Bills is the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense fucking sucks. They started out the game, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, they went punt, punt, fumble, punt for a total of 30 yards of offense to start the game. So maybe we'll 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 get to some Pittsburgh Steelers versus Buffalo Bills analysis that is more in depth than the Pittsburgh Steelers offense fucking sucks. But for the time being, we'll get to that, but we'll start off with the Detroit Lions winning their first playoff game since before I was born and their second playoff game since before both of my parents were born. Yeah, that's our Man Campbell music. Uh, honestly, I don't think we've really played that music at all. Like, We haven't done a continuous Detroit Lions song this year, but I felt like, you know what? They won their first playoff game. Man Campbell ended up restoring honor and glory to the worst franchise in the National Football League. And you know what? Why don't we just hit that music? Why don't we play the Detroit Lions theme song? Because the Lions beat the Rams in the revenge game, a game that was so close to being a five-star sporting event like we wanted it to be. Not only did it have stakes, not only did it have storylines, not only did it have entertainment, but it had some action. Because in the first half of that playoff game between the Rams and the Lions, we had scoring drives on each of the first six possessions of the entire game. It was marvelous. Right off the bat to start the game, the Lions got the ball, went down and scored. And we said last week uh, when we were talking with our friend Juju Talk Sports about the Lions versus Rams playoff scenario, the one thing that I felt confident about, because that was the most coin toss of all the coin toss playoff games that we had, but the one thing that I felt most confident in about that Rams versus Lions game was the Lions were going to go up 7-0, to zero, and after that, 
I don't know what's going to happen. Because the thing that the Lions do really, really well is opening drive touchdowns. They have been excellent at opening drive touchdowns in the back half of that season. And they ran a picturesque Detroit Lions touchdown drive right out the gate like they'd been running all season. And this is the reason why the Detroit Lions are here. The Detroit Lions are here because their offense is dynamic enough to run right out the gate with scripted plays. 10 plays, 75 yards, 5 minutes and 30 seconds, zero negative plays on the entire drive, and they had all, they gained yards on every single play of the drive. Not just no negative plays, they had no zero yard gains either. They gained yardage on every single play that they ran on the first, if I'm going through the whole countdown here, for the first 10 plays of the entire game, they gained yards on every single play that they ran. Let's keep going, actually, because the second touchdown drive ended up leading to a touchdown. Let's go through this even more. It took them one, two, three, four, five, six. So what is that? Six. It took them 20 plays before they ran a negative yardage play. I'm sorry, a zero yardage play. They didn't have an incomplete pass until the third drive of the game. It took 20 plays to start the game for the Detroit Lions to have a negative yardage play. The Detroit Lions were absolutely cooking on offense. So yeah, you had all the stakes of a playoff game in the first home playoff game in 31 years in Detroit, which by the way, we said at the start of the season, if Detroit wins the NFC North and Detroit gets their first home playoff game in 31 years, this will be a successful season for the Detroit Lions. Just getting to this game marked a successful season for the Lions, and they came out against the Rams' defense, which their linebacking and cornerbacks for the for the Rams had struggled all season. Their pass rush uh, from the edge was not as good. Uh, their interior uh, pass rush was incredible, but their edge rushing was not the strongest all season, and... The, the Lions came out against the Rams' defense and went the first 20 plays of the game without having zero or negative yards. They gained yardage on each of the first 20 plays. But the Rams, on the flip side, also were just marching up and down the field on their first few drives of the game because the Rams went, if my math is correct here, the Rams went the first three drives of the game, ran a total of 22 plays, and only two of those ended in either zero or negative yards. They did take a sack in the middle of that drive, but the Rams had the ultimate weapon working for them, and that ultimate weapon was the Detroit Lions had only one good cornerback, and I'm not even saying, like, great cornerback. They only had one competent NFL cornerback, and the Rams had two really, really good receivers. And so what the Rams ended up doing, scheming open Puka Nakua and throwing the ball to Puka Nakua, more than anybody else had thrown a football to anyone all throughout the season, which I will give the Lions credit in this. They limited Cooper Cup. They schemed themselves to limit Cooper Cup. And they did a good job with Cam Sutton and Brian Branch following Cooper Cup, which I know Brian Branch is a member of their secondary and is a rookie, by the way. I know some people were giving the Lions crap for like, oh, they didn't address the cornerback position, and this is a totally, entirely predictable outcome. Like, the Detroit Lions ended up having 
Brian Branch, who is an incredible rookie season playing safety and did a great job in pass coverage with Cooper Cup along with Cam Sutton, but it took every competent bit of cornerback play that they had in order to limit the Detroit, the, the, the Los Angeles Rams star receiver Cooper Cup, and the end result was Pukunakua was schemed wide open over and over and over and over and over again, and they just kept throwing the ball to Pukunakua to keep them in the game while their defense was playing open season against the Lions and literally prevented the Lions from moving the ball exactly how they wanted to. 20 plays, they moved up and down the field 20 plays, they ended up getting positive yardage on every single play, and the first three Lions drives all ended in touchdowns. The Rams' defense did no such thing to stop the Lions. The Lions' defense did no such thing to stop Puka Nakua. And I know there's this unique fascination in football with the the defensive struggle or the 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 battle of wills and strategy that comes around football. Personally, I'm a let's throw the ball all over the field and score a lot of points kind of guy. Personally, my favorite type of football is yeah, let's let's make defending even harder for defenders. That that's personally my cup of tea when it comes to football. It's why I've not liked the last two years of NFL football going to a more time-of-possession-based offense and fewer plays and less explosive offenses because teams are playing more too high safety. I have enjoyed this version of the NFL slightly less than the pew-pew, throw-the-ball-all-over-the-field offenses that existed during the NFL divisional round weekend of 2021, which I still articulate as the moment that the NFL peaked. It doesn't mean the NFL is not very good, but the NFL peaked in that that divisional round weekend of 2021 that had Bengals-Titans, the Packers-49ers game that had a blocked punt for touchdown and a blocked field goal, the Rams and Bucks and the Buffalo, Kansas City, 13 seconds, Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes game. It's the, it's the best weekend of football that's ever existed, and there will probably never be another one like it. It's fine. It was very cool and very fun. But I am more of a pew pew, let's throw the ball all over the field. Detroit Lions don't get stopped for the, don't get stopped from gaining yards in the first 20 plays they run on offense, and the Rams just throw the ball to Pukunakua, and Pukunakua has touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. It's why I enjoyed that Packers and Cowboys game so much this weekend. Personally, that's my cup of tea for football. So already we've got a three-star sporting event right there. We've got the stakes, we've got the storylines, and we've just got entertaining football. First six drives of the game all go into the red zone, all but one ends in a touchdown. The only one that didn't end in a touchdown was a field goal for the Rams. That field goal would end up making a big difference in the game. Because if you are someone whose style of football leans more towards the strategy of offense, the the, the slow, methodical chess match of a football game, if, if that's your cup of tea when it comes to watching football, let me introduce you to the second half of the Rams versus Lions game because the MVP of the second half of the Rams versus Lions game was the punter, Jack Fox. Which, by the way, great name for a punter. Jack Fox, the punter for the Lions, MVP of the game, kept him in it when their offense was not moving the ball very well against the Los Angeles Rams defense. Both teams made second half adjustments. Jack Fox's punts end up 
being a huge difference maker in the game for Detroit because field positioning ended up being a huge difference maker in the game for Detroit. The the Lions had a four-and-a-half-minute field goal drive. The Rams had a six-minute field goal drive. The Rams in the fourth quarter ran a 13-play, six-minute and 43-second field goal drive. And that right there was 17 of your 30 minutes in the second half of the NFL wild card game of the weekend was lion four and a half minute field goal drive rams six minute field goal drive rams 13 play 79 yard seven minute field goal drive and by the way when the lions offense ran a three and out immediately after the rams field goal that brought him within one score, which was an interesting decision. Uh, I, I'm curious to know what the the analytics would have said on the. I, I didn't look it up before coming here, but I'm curious what the numbers said for that last field goal that McVeigh took because they had fourth and eight at the Detroit 11 yard line, so they could have picked up a first down still, but they had to get at least eight yards to move them into the the. First and goal to 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 keep the drive alive. It was a four point game. It was twenty four to twenty. The Lions and Rams had traded field goals in the third quarter. It was twenty four twenty. Four point Detroit lead. Rams had fourth and eight at the eleven yard line. Because I was kind of stuck halfway between the decisions. There, they could have gone field goal, and it would have made sense because then it's a one score game. They were definitely going to get the ball back at some point. They could have gone field goal. They could have gone for it, and the Lions would have been pinned deep in their own territory in a four-point game. They probably weren't going to get closer than the 11-yard line to the end zone, so maybe it's worthwhile to at least take a shot at taking the lead, and then all you need is one defensive stand. And even if you get a defensive stand, all you really need is... Uh, to hold him to a field goal because if you hold him to a field goal, it the worst you're going to do is go to overtime. I, I was kind of torn between go for it on fourth and eight at the 11 or kick the field goal. McVay ended up opting to kick the field goal. They did get the ball back. They did move the ball into Detroit territory by once again just targeting Puka Nakua over and over, whether it was Melifonwu trying to guard him or... Um, them trying to to counter. I, I mean, no Higby tore his ACL on one of those plays. I think Carl Joseph was the one who laid the hit. Previously unsigned free agent Carl Joseph playing safety or targeting Melifon Wu or whatever they were trying to do on offense to try and counter the loss to counter the the Rams passing attack wasn't really working all that well. Got the ball into Detroit territory. They got the ball down to the 34 yard line which put them in field goal range to take the lead. It was only a one-point lead. And then the excellent chess match of a play by Man Campbell to on third and four, where they got a negative two-yard play. They they got a stop on third down that would have set up a 52-yard field goal by Brett Maher, who, if you'll remember, Brett Maher missed four extra points in last year's playoffs for the Cowboys, but they could have set up a 52-yard Brett Maher field goal. Instead, Man Campbell accepted the holding penalty to push them back to the 44-yard line, which put them out of reasonable field goal range for Brett Maher, but it also gave them a redo of third down, and 
I don't know if I would have had the confidence to go redo on third down because on third and 14, knowing it was four down territory, the Rams just needed to get the ball within five yards of the first down marker, and I'm pretty sure they would have gone for it on fourth down. But instead, they got an incomplete play. Man Campbell's strategy of accepting the penalty and pushing them further out of field goal range paid off because it was an incomplete pass on third down. The defense got a stop. I believe it, uh, yeah, it was Cam Sutton who was guarding Puka Nakua. Their only competent cornerback was the person they targeted in the one-on-one matchup. Sutton got the stop on Nakua. Some people thought it should have been a pass interference. I'm going to roll with the call that they made. Pass, they, they targeted their one competent cornerback guarding Puka Nakua. Nakua didn't get the completion. It was, I believe, the only play of the game that Nakua was targeted, that he did not make the catch. That is correct. The only pass of the entire game that Puka Nakua was targeted, that he did not make the catch, and that was the one that decided the game because that was the last play on offense that the Rams ran. And I don't think that qualifies enough for drama to make it a five-star sporting event. I think the fact that the last two minutes of the game ended with the Lions kneeling the clock out was a good bit anticlimactic, but still, it was an interesting chess match strategy of one, McVeigh's decision to not go for it on fourth and eight at the 11 yard line, down four with four minutes left to play, opting to kick the field goal instead. And then the second interesting chess match of the second half being the decision to accept the penalty on what would have been fourth and four push them back to 3rd and 14, get the one stop covering Puka Nakua in single coverage that they had the entire game, the only time in the entire game that the Lions in single coverage denied Puka Nakua a reception, getting the one singular stop they needed and forcing a punt, and that being the last time the Rams would possess the football in the entire game. Those two plays and the interesting decision of to go for it, to not go for it, to accept the penalty, to not accept the penalty. The the strategy and game theory of those two decisions was interesting, thought-provoking, not quite the drama that would have been required for us to have deemed that a five-star sporting event, but altogether a really, really exciting game. And the Detroit Lions won. And the Detroit Lions are hosting a second playoff game. That's super-duper cool. The Cowboys choking means that the Lions get to host a second playoff game, and that's also very, very exciting for Detroit. Because like I said, this is their second playoff win since before my parents were born. It's super cool that they got that win, and it's super cool to see them excited and to get that revenge game and all that stuff and they scored a bunch of points in the first half and in the second half their punter was the team MVP it was a offensive and special teams victory for the Lions and uh, their defense was ass but their defense came up with the one stop on Puka Nakua that they needed in order to win the game and that is a well-rounded victorious game for the Detroit Lions that was the exact coin toss game of the weekend that we expected it would be because the Bills are beating the crap out of the Pittsburgh Steelers the Kansas City Chiefs beat the crap out of Miami the Packers were up 27-0 in the first half against Dallas even if that was a surprising result it was still a beatdown of a game The most dramatic finish of the weekend does belong to the Detroit Lions winning a coin toss game against the Los Angeles Rams with a 6 
to three second half. It was super interesting and super fun, and I thoroughly enjoyed myself watching that game and have thoroughly enjoyed myself spending 20 minutes breaking down all that was in that incredible, incredible wild card weekend game. Congratulations to Man Campbell. Congratulations to the Detroit Lions. This season would have been a rousing success regardless of whether or not you won that game. And good on you for going out and winning the playoff game anyways. It was very fun, very interesting, and you won a coin toss playoff game. And y'all should be incredibly excited and incredibly proud of yourselves. And I'm just feeling good for the Lions. I would have also felt good for the Rams if they had won, but I'm just feeling really good for the Lions for the way that they ended up winning their second playoff game in the last 60, and that that is a true stat, 60 years. You throw a fourth TD on a dime. You ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game. Three years, I thought you was phony. Got digs, then you flipped it on me. I was thinking you were Carson Wentz. You made your mark, became an MVP. Deep throws, always looking daunting. Tossed up to Davis and McKenzie. It's hard for teams to deny it. When Allen beats double safety, you keep losing to Mahomes. Sitting on the bench, 13 to go. Overtime coin flips turned up wrong. Makes your season seem so marginal. And this year you'll find a way Gonna get past Kansas City Allen and the Bills are gonna be Super Bowl champs 2023 Oh, I wanna run the ball Don't wanna slide I just wanna dive Send me the call And I'll throw the ball I wanna run the ball Don't wanna slide I'm just gonna dive Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball. You throw a fourth TD on a dime. You ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game. Buffalo Bills got their date. You want to play the Chiefs, beat Andy Reid and his schemes? Well, congratulations. You have got yourself a showdown. So uh, I mentioned earlier that it was a lot of like Pittsburgh playing terribly on offense in that game, and that just kind of extended for a good portion. Pittsburgh ended up having to start the game Punt, punt, fumble, punt, interception, 
in the uh, in the end zone by the way like that game could have turned dramatically if that one 88 yard drive for Pittsburgh doesn't end with an interception in the end zone where a snowball may or may not have hit uh George Pickens in the head in the second quarter no it was Deontay Johnson I think who who missed on that one but it was a tough break for them they obviously started the game punt punt fumble punt interception punt multiple three and outs Pittsburgh was struggle busing their way through it and uh once they got down 21-0 kind of similar to the uh similar to the Green Bay Packers which we talked about on uh, yesterday's wired up episode once you get down 21-0 with an offense that's not very prolific it was kind of hard to kind of storm all the way back in that one but they gave it their best effort and uh they're gonna get their battle against Andy Reid and his schemes it's gonna be wonderful and exciting and I'm glad that we're gonna get to talk way 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 more about it as the week goes along uh that's all I got for today we are gonna have Eagles and Tampa Bay coming up later on in the week also some Bill Belichick futures conversations it'll all be coming up it'll all be very fun i'm excited to share it with all of y'all here on the take it easy podcast leave a five-star review downloads any and all support is greatly greatly appreciated you guys have come through and supported us time and time again and i'm so appreciative so that we can come here and just knock out all of these wonderful and wacky wild card weekend podcasts after the tampa bay buccaneers beat the crap out of the philadelphia eagles like we told you they were gonna do all the way back in December after the after the 49ers crushed the Eagles and everything fall, fell apart for Philadelphia really your support makes it possible for us to make silly predictions like saying Tampa would beat Philadelphia in a wild card matchup and then getting to see it happen in real time and getting to celebrate that fact it's all very fun and silly and we appreciate your continued support so thanks for stopping in we'll chat with you later this week in the meantime take it easy Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.